0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Dear Fandom, where everything you like is terrible and that's okay. I'm Hillary. And I'm Megan. And today we are covering my favorite book, because I am all of 14 years old. (laughs) It is Holes by Louis Louis Seychard. I think it's I Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, the subsequent 2003 movie, Holes. Starring written. Shia LaBeouf,
1: Sigourney Weaver, John Voight, Tom Blake, Nelson, Henry Winkler,
0: oh. and written by Louis C.K. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, he, and he's also a cameo in that. Oh, Patricia Arquette's in it too.
0: Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a star-studded cast, everyone.
1: It is. It's a very like for for a movie that's that, that relatively. It's I mean, it's achieved like a cult-like status in terms of how many people love it, but it's got a very, very good cast.
0: It's got a great cast, and it is also known as being a film that is almost a, like probably the only film adaptation that is almost exactly like the book.
1: Yes. That is actually something because me and you believe that for many years, and then I went on Reddit one day and they're like, Holes is the only adaptation that matters. And I'm like, wow, apparently this is a common thought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. We had many ideas, though, that we thought were, like, exclusive to us, and then, like, we went out into the real world, and...
1: (laughs) Can I tell you, so this is just gonna be, like, if we start going off on the plot, and then I I interrupt with this, it's gonna be completely terrible. So, (laughs) um, so you, so in the movie, you know the kid who played, like, Twitch or something? The one, the one who was just fucking fidgeting all the time? Oh,
0: yeah, the the car thief.
1: Yes, the car thief, the one who carjacked, and he was like, 13 years old, uh, maximum. Uh, so... (laughs) This was so. This was uh, the year 2003, and uh, the social media network of the time was MySpace. Oh, and I think the kid's name was Noah something. I've gotta like, but anyway, my sister was like super into MySpace. Of course, who the hell wasn't? It was 2003. Tom was all of our friends, and <laughs> and she became friends with the kid who played Twitch on MySpace. And it was her and her uh, friend, or like our, her friend from like th- a theater group, and they just messaged him. All of the time. And I am just honestly wondering, like, was it that kid really? I mean, to be fair, what a weird brag.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that is that is truly the definition of weird flex. Yeah, but like, that's just the
1: weirdest flex. Hi, I played Twitch in Holes. I had exactly six and a half minutes of screen time. Pretty cool. Like, it, you should honestly, the better flex would be like, I'm Max Cash. Like, <laughs> I had a bigger part. But, or... I'm, I'm Shia oh, LaBeouf. No, you're not. All right.
0: Um, remember, remember how we were so obsessed we were with Max Cash? <laughs> I
1: was obsessed with Max Cash. Jesus Christ. I was like, I'm in love with him, whoever he is. And now I look at Shia LaBeouf and I'm like, yes. But mostly because Shia LaBeouf is just this brand of weird art person whose life has just become art in the sense that he's like, his per- he's become a performance artist in every sense of the word, and, like, if you, like, reevaluate who he was in, like, the early 2010s, you're like, ah, yeah, performance art, love it.
0: Yeah. He's um, he like uh, he in, like, the same category as, like, Jake Gyllenhaal, where they do a dumb movie every three years, so they can continue doing weird shit in peace. I'm yeah, like-
1: and I, I appreciate actors who do dumb shit, uh, because I think that's more true to who an actor is, as opposed, because, I mean, as an actor, you want to be able to do the stuff you love, like, how many times did you watch a like, how many times did Dolly paint, like, a fucking color by numbers? He didn't. So,
0: so <laughs> I can just imagine. <laughs> Sorry, Adrian Brody comes in. Okay. Uh, no, so we're,
1: we're losing train of thought. But anyway, <laughs> okay. getting back to it is this is this is my small introdu- introduction, is that I became obsessed with holes right the year it came out because my sister had, like, a hookup to the cast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the tiniest, tiniest hookup.
1: <laughs> the tiniest hookup to the smallest member of the cast.
0: <laughs> okay, so Louis Seychard has been ra- writing since the 70s, and he had a very popular book series um, before Holes came out called Sideways Stories of Wayside uh, Wayside School, which is our school. I loved
1: that book series. I
0: loved those books so much when I was a kid. It was about a school that was like tilted on its side, and so each classroom was a floor. And yeah, and there
1: was no 13th floor, right?
0: Yes, there was not a 13th floor. It went from 12 to 14. And uh, I love those books, and I read a ton of them. And um, so in 1998, he comes out with this novel uh, called Holes. And it's sort of, like, very unlike anything he's done. And um, he wins the National Book Award for it. And he it's on a ton of bestsellers lists. Um, and a movie gets optioned five years later that he writes And it is the story of Stanley Yelnats, who is an extremely unlucky and in the novel overweight 14 year old kid who is in the wrong place at the wrong time and gets sent to Camp Green Lake as opposed to juvenile detention, a a juvenile detention hall. Yes. And Camp Green Lake at Camp Green Lake, you wake up at 5 a.m. every day and you dig a hole. You dig a hole in this vast desert where it hasn't rained in ages. And once your hole is done, you are done for the day. Isn't it something like a hundred years it's been since it rained? Yep, it is a hundred years because that's uh, kissing Kate Barlow's curse.
1: Yes. She said, you, you children, your children's children, and your children's children's children will dig for a hundred years, and you will never find any. Oh, I'm sorry, Patricia Arquette. Damn. Okay. All no, right, she's sorry. such a babe. She's such <laughs> a babe. <laughs> My favorite part. Okay, so si- another side sidebar. Um, now, I had the original DVD, which includes, and I swear to God, you need to listen to this if you can find it, a cast commentary by a bunch of, chi- I want to say teenagers, but they're fucking children.
0: Um, <laughs> they're like and young it's, teenagers. And it's,
1: it's Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> and Cleo Thomas and um, I cannot remember the name of but it's the entire cast so you have Max Cash and the kid who played Twitch isn't in it but um, you've got the kid who played Armpit, um, Mad like, is Magnet in it? I can't remember if Magnet's, magnet's in, in
0: it. Magnet's in it, x-rays in it, like they're all in it.
1: They're all in it and it's amazing because half of the fucking movie is Cleo Thomas going, mmm, the
0: kids so hot? And I'm just like... <laughs> Okay, listen, listen, listen. He's not wrong. No,
1: but he was 12.
0: (laughs) It's like, that's your grandma. Imagine,
1: imagine being Earthy kid and like being like, ah, yes, I just finished this film. Going to watch it? I, oh, I'm there's, I'm a fun little, there's a fun little commentary with the kids in the show. Oh, that's good. Let's listen to it. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> no, like that is the cause of her untimely death. <laughs> 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 her, the kid. Oh, man. Uh, but, but yeah, that's that's just
1: the side, side, sidebar. Uh, if you have the original DVD, listen to the commentary from the cast, because it is mwah, out of this world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um... Stanley uh, Stanley Yelnats uh, is his his name is a palindrome, and um,
1: and he's, he's the fourth of his name. He's
0: the fourth of his name, yes. And um, the family is just is just notoriously unlucky, and they're on the brink of poverty. Yes, his, his father is an inventor, and his mother is a housewife, and all the other generations live in the house, and um, they always blame his. Um, uh, no good dirty rotten pig stealing great 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 grandfather <laughs> yep i know and his grandfather's name was elia elia yelnats yes and um there are interweaving storylines um because uh, stanley's family is from latvia and um there are like interweaving storylines of stanley's family in latvia then what camp green lake used to be before um it was a vast desert wasteland and the present day. And yes. um, there was this, uh, God, I wrote this all down, but it's like. No,
1: it's no you're good. So, I mean, if we're, if we're going by chapter by chapter. So the the, the, mm-hmm. the main story starts out because a pair of really awesome sneakers falls on top of uh, Stanley's head. And then the cops find him almost immediately. Yeah. Wrong and arrest place,
0: wrong him. Time. Yeah. And he is, that is just the extent of his bad luck. And, um, when he's arrested, he gets sent, they're like, okay, you can go to Juvie, or you can go to Camp Green Lake. And Stanley, who was poor, is like, I've never been to camp before, so, like, I'll, I'll go there. And it is, it's like prison. So... Oh, yeah,
1: it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's prison in the sense that, uh, like, these, these children are being asked to dig holes every day, uh, for no... Other than what Mr. Sir says, it builds character.
0: Yeah, no, it it builds character. But the real reason they're digging holes is because they are looking for Kissin' Kate Barlow's treasure, which is buried out in this desert wasteland. And she hid it... Um, she hid it from... I forgot his name. From a man who was uh, pursuing her. It was the uh, warden's uh, grandfather. Yeah, the warden's grandfather. So... A uh, hundred years ago, uh, Camp Green Lake was a really beautiful town in Texas, and a school teacher fell in love with the local onion farmer who was a black man. And um, she was being pursued by like a wealthy bachelor in town, and she rebuffed his uh, advances and went and had basically an encounter with the uh, onion seller, Sam. And uh, the wealthy bachelor got really angry, killed Sam, and the oh, whole. Town by the way,
1: his name is Charles Walker.
0: Charles Walker. There we go. So, um, Charles Walker is infuriated by this because he is a giant racist. So um, he kills Sam, and um, his mule is his mule is also killed, and he and uh, Kate basically goes crazy she becomes a vigilante I
1: I mean I would I think the better because because I think what she does is through, through so after after onion sam is is shot in his boat on the lake and we find a stuffed donkey because they didn't want to show children a dead one <laughs> yeah I know that's um is she just becomes an outlaw she becomes your your very traditional like Wild west outlaw the one that you'd see on those posters be like reward five thousand dollars wanted well, dead or alive
0: yes she becomes an outlaw but it's not just because you know it's because she wants revenge. Because yeah, she was. She was I, so but I think
1: vigilante justice is more about is, is about justice, finding justice, and she was just like, "I want money." So yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, her last, fair, absolutely. Her
0: last act was sort of an act of vigilante justice, though you gotta say.
1: Killing herself after burying her She's treasure? Burying
0: her treasure, being like, fuck you, man, this is like...
1: I feel like that's that's less of a vigilante and more pirate, like, ha ha, find me now! Like-
0: oh, revenge, you know?
1: Like, True, true, act of revenge, absolutely. I mean, it was more, I mean, that's the thing, is with Kate, like, none of these characters are like, like, they're just good people in the sense that they're good people. Do they live, like, good, wholesome, clean American lives where, like, you know, they've never done a bad thing? No, Kate shot and killed people and then kissed their foreheads so that way they knew who it was, because back in the day, you <laughs> you know the John Mulaney joke, and you'll tell them it was Ratatat sam and the Susans Gang. Because you, there was no way to track her.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was, there was no, there was no way to track her. And um, the reason she dies is because, and this becomes important later, um, she gets bitten by a yellow-bellied lizard. And in the movie, there are basically bearded dragons that are painted yellow. <laughs> yeah, they have the,
1: the yellow spots. That, sorry, the red. So they're painted yellow, and they have the red spots all yeah, over them. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, um, they're, they're just, uh, somebody was like, here's, hold still, hold still, lizard.
1: <laughs> I think one of the things that, uh, is definitely important for me as a child watching this was, um, when Onion Sam is fixing, so, like, her ho- entire, like, their whole oh, arc. Oh, yeah, I can
0: fix that. Yeah, yeah. that,
1: like, the, their whole arc as a couple is that, you know, she's, she's got peaches and jars and he's got onions and she's like, onions, yay! <laughs> but her, her schoolhouse is, you know, falling apart because it's 1888 and, Who's doing what? Nobody. Like, it was built, and then we're good. It's, like, it's fine. So he, like, fixes the, the schoolhouse all of the time. And, uh, you know, she's a teacher. And, like, the, my favorite part, though, oh. is when she's reading Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe, and he just starts saying it. He's like, you know, when we love the love that was more than love. I am my Annabelle Lee. And here's my 13-year-old ass going, I love
0: you so much. <laughs> um, oh, my God. I had such a crush on him. Dulé I'm Hill damn. played him. You, who? Dule Hill. Ah, yes. He later
1: went on to be in Psych. Yes,
0: that guy. Yes. Oh, my God. No. Well, I, I had such a crush on Amin Sam when I was uh when I was like 12, 13 years old. I was like, yes.
1: He's still he's still like to this day, like like uh, like they were so great. And oh uh God, she, and she's
0: crying and he's like, I can fix that. And I'm like, oh,
1: I am literally trying to remember even why she cried in the movie. And I don't think there's any specific reason. I mean, like, you know, she was she was a woman in the 18 in the late 1800s who was being tasked with not only teaching the children, but your illiterate male adults. And, uh, and and Onion Sam was the only man who treated her with with like any respect as an educator, as a as a person, as a whole individual and human, which is why I think her her switch was able to be flipped so quickly because every other man in Green Lake just did not respect her as a human, as opposed to being like you're hot, you kiss the onion picker, kiss me, and I have to appreciate Louis Sechar being able to showcased racism without continually throwing slurs around especially in a movie meant for children because it's just something like like you know because kids just are like sponges they'll start saying shit because they heard it in a movie Mm -hmm. like i said i said the word fuck for the first time when i was seven my mom turned around while driving and she went what the fuck did you say (laughs) well
0: i think i think i kind of like i mean I was, I was not, a ch- you and I were not, like, children and children when we watched no, that movie. No, I was, I was 13. Yeah, so. I was, like, 12, 11, 12 years old. And I think that in Charles Walker's actions, like, the words were there. Like, oh, absolutely. it didn't need to be, like.
1: Absolutely, but it didn't need to be said. Like, you could tell from the, and actually the guy who played him, uh, Scott something, I, he ended up dying after production completed, and he never got to see the film.
0: Oh. Did you know that? That's so weird. I did not know that.
1: Yeah, I know. I know basically every bit of trivia about this movie, guys. Strap in. I <laughs>
0: I actually, yeah, I've done a lot of analysis analysis of this book, so a lot of my notes are much are like less about the plot and much more about like what this book has done for young people, and like
1: absolutely. And I mean, so so, and that's kissing Kate. So just to quickly talk about the Latvia plot, really quick, because yes. it doesn't take a, up a long amount of time. There, so there's Elia, a meme
0: about this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I really want to know the meme now. Do I know this meme? Yeah, no.
0: Uh, you carry a matter Zeroni up the mountain like that. That's like people say that.
1: Like, oh, online. I know. I know. I'm I'm with the kids. I thought. <laughs> um, I, I I always love the part at the end of the film, like after the credits roll, and it's just Cleo Thomas sitting with his big jug, and he goes. But if you forget to come back for Madame Zeroni, you and your family will be cursed for always and eternity. And I'm just like, I love everyone here. Um, <laughs>
0: uh, I love everyone in this bar.
1: Thank you very much. And so, but I what's so crazy is, so it's, you've got, you've got Elliot, like, playing for the hand of a woman in his town. And in, in starring along, like, his number one competition is that fat dude who jacked himself off to Pamela Anderson's pictures in Borat.
0: <laughs> Basic basically, it's a young love versus money thing. Like, yeah, or not money versus like goods, livestock. He's like, I love her, and the fat guy's like, I've got three pigs. <laughs> yeah, he said he said
1: to uh, Mirna's. Mira, Myrna. Mirna. it's Mirna's father that he will give her, his fattest pig for her, and her father's like, well, that's a that's a deal. So uh, Elia wanted time to get that because dowry was a thing. I assume I'm not very familiar with Eastern European traditions, specifically Latvia.
0: <laughs> well, dowry, is kind of like an old world thing. Like they still do it in like South Asian countries, I know, but like dowry, is very much like a. An- pan-European sort of elderly time thing.
1: So, um, I mean, at the end of the... So he goes to Madame Zeroni because he complains to her, and she gives him the runt of the litter, and she goes, like, carry this pig up the mountain every day, have him drink from the stream, sing to him that song, you know, If only, if only, the woodpecker cried, the bark on the tree was as soft as the skies, the wolf waits below, hungry and and lonely, he cries to to the the moon, moon. if If only, if only. only... Because if the bark on the tree were soft to the skies, well, yes, the woodpecker wouldn't have to peck very hard to get to the sap. The wolf would also be eating the woodpecker. It's a, it's a, it's an analogy for, you know, the, the barriers that are there are there for your, like, you know, so that you can overcome them. Or, in the case of the woodpecker, for your own protection.
0: <laughs> so you're not a dumbass.
1: <laughs> I mean... Woodpeckers aren't a, well. No, I mean I watched Woody Woodpecker. They're kind of dumbasses. <laughs> um, uh, but no, so it's it, at the end of the at the end of the day though, the, it, her father does something insane and he says, "Mirna, you make your own choice." And uh, she looks at both of them and she goes, "Well, which pig is fitter?" <laughs>
0: And oh my god and he's like yeah and he's like is this bitch for real
1: and it's great he goes you can keep my pig as wedding presents and you're just like I love so much everything about this movie <laughs> and uh, the, but the point of the matter is that what I said before that she, he was after he gave the pig he was supposed to go back and carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain and if he didn't his family would be cursed for always an eternity
0: hey, hey, hey guess what he didn't do he did <laughs> not go
1: back for Madame Zeroni <laughs> straight up went to America and that did not work out well for
0: him. <laughs> No, she super super cursed him.
1: And you know what's really funny is his son. Yeah, his son, which is Stanley Yelnats the 1st. Yes. Ended up being very successful and had a lot of money to his name. But- um, but was robbed and, you know, didn't die though. Was not killed by kissing Kate Barlow. He was robbed and he took refuge on God's Thumb. Mhm. Which is a mountain that looks like a thumb. Cuz it's a it's got because shit. It's, it's shit a um, but anyway, now we get into the meat of the story, which is Camp Green Lake. It's many different uh, constituents: the warden, Mister Sir, and Doctor Pendanski.
0: Yeah, and um, these people are to the government to keep them off. Um, It's basically not a very well-looked-after place. Like, uh, the government turns a a blind eye to a lot of what goes on.
1: Well, isn't it a a privatized institution just collecting on um, uh, government funds?
0: Yeah, basically. So, like, um, they get inspected, like, every once in a while. And then, like, you know, they're basically free to do whatever they want because it is the warden's land. Exactly. And so um, a lot of stuff goes wrong. Pandansky is barely qualified, if at all. He's the psychologist. Um, but he basically pits the kids against each other and um, favors the white children. Um, in the movie, at least. In the book, it's, like, made less clear. Um, and the uh, these kids are all disadvantaged. It's a majority, uh, like, people of color population. And if they're not people of color, if they're white, they're, you know, working class. Or implied yeah. to working
1: class. Well, I mean, it's also so like it's also to a uh, you know uh, for for Stanley and uh, Zigzag. Uh, so Zigzag's Max Cash's character. Zigzag is your traditional redneck, white trash, comes from a trailer park kind of uh, background in terms of that kind of poverty. Stanley's poverty is a more urban poverty, so it's a different kind of poverty. Also, Stanley is supposed to be Jewish. That's that's yes, the point is. of yeah. the character. <laughs> he's yeah. um he's he's you know it's not that not that his religion is ever like a part that like is a defining characteristic for him, but the point of of everybody getting together in this one category is that these are are all disadvantaged backgrounds in the sense that these are all people who've had incredibly rough lives, a poor Jewish kid, uh you know, a poor probably, you know, really disadvantaged um you've got well, uh, I'm oh, Sorry, Zero is a product of uh, you know being in and out of the system, the foster care system for a long time. Yeah. X Ray, I'm not exactly sure what his whole deal is. I just was in love with that kid. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> uh, um, Armpit is you know he's a heavy set kid. He's also a black a black boy who's who's you know who's probably. Not really fond of showers because that's why he smells so terrible. But it also speaks to like what is his background that he doesn't want to take showers, you know. Um, and then you have Magnet, who's uh, you know Spanish or like Latino kid, and he's you know.
0: They um, in the book, um, in the book, it's there's a line about Magnet where it's like he's a real tough guy. He's very much like. You know, he says without actually saying to Stanley, like, oh, you're a pussy man, like, whatever. But Stanley hears him crying, like, in his bunk at night. So, like, there's that side of that character. And kind of, like, reminds you that they're children.
1: Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I think when you see it on on a, like, like watching, uh... Watching holes when you're an adult, you're like, oh my god, these are children. <laughs> they're,
0: they're babies. They are like...
1: super children. They're not like super like powerful, but like they're just they're just children. Like there's this movie was made, and I think that's why this movie works so well, is because every single person in the cast was around the age that they were supposed to be for the characters in the book.
0: Yeah, it wasn't like there was like a 25 year old playing like a 17 year old. <laughs> no, and,
1: like... excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ooh, sorry, it was hard. <laughs> also and maybe this is just me because like like holes deals with heavy shit without having to resort to like some like like i don't know maybe maybe this is just like my millennial life was like yeah i didn't curse that much at 13 i said damn after like i got into sixth grade because i took the bus and my mom didn't drive me anymore Um, nice um, but, like, it's it's just There's just something that's so, like, genuine About the interactions With those kids And you do have older, like, older teenagers Like, you have a 17-year-old, an 18-year-old And a 19-year-old at Camp Green Lake, and they're taller And they're definitely horrifying-looking Like, when they get into fights with Stanley And stuff like that And Shia LaBeouf, it, truly, it's, it's one of his, like, best roles In terms of, like, being able to flex An acting chop Because, like, he's... It's it's Stanley is just so like you just feel terrible for him because you, he, yeah. he just doesn't deserve any of this. but then again, the whole point is if Stanley didn't deserve this, do any of these kids deserve it? You find out zero doesn't deserve to be there. Zero is really another example of a circumstance type situation he was he was he was he was uh, caught like stealing a pair of shoes from payless because he had no shoes. mm hmm Payless.
0: Like Payless, which is out of business now to show you how old that movie is. But um, um so I it's <laughs> hard to think about. But yeah, no, um the one great thing about Shia LaBeouf's uh performance in that is he was able because um one one thing one complaint I like saw from fans um was that like you know oh Stanley wasn't overweight and I'm like it would have been torture to make a child lose that much weight in a short period of time of filming. Yeah, because First the of point all. of
1: the novel is that he eats so little that he loses in a large amount of weight. Now either they could cast an overweight Stanley as well, and then just get rid of that subplot of him losing weight, or or they could cast someone like Shia LaBeouf, who, two millennials, was known as Louis Stevens from Even Stevens. So we were just obsessed with him already as a group. So he was he was your big name to bring in kids.
0: Yeah, and he was the big name. But I also thought he, he embodied, like, not being comfortable in your body because he was, like, he was, like... You ever met those kids that look like they shot up like six inches in a summer? He looked yeah. like one of those and didn't know how to deal with their bodies. <laughs> you know what's really funny is I've, uh, I, like, I,
1: I'm not, like, obsessed with above the this is stupid, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, but, um... I, I am. I'm uh, sure. right? <laughs> but, uh, so I've looked into his past, and he's got a really, truly quite a messed up past. Um, and he, a lot of what he felt in terms of, like, like he, he channeled a lot of his feelings into acting. But, you know, eventually it loses its flair, it loses, it loses its luster, it loses its mystique. And, uh, and I think with Holes, like, he was able to challenge, chal- channel, ugh, channel a lot of those emotions that he was feeling with regards to his own personal life, with regards to his relationship with his father and his relationship to his mother and how he felt, you know, that it was just a really abusive situation and kind of taken advantage of and stuff like that and, and being put. In a place where a thirteen-year-old or a fifteen-year-old should not be, in terms of financial support, um, and he was able to take that, and, and I think it, that's what makes Stanley such a good character because Shia LaBeouf, as a whole, was is, is a good actor because he can take these experiences and channel them in ways that that were healthy at the time. You know, obviously he went through his own addiction issues, but it was just something that really like came through. I think with the rest of the cast. It, I think the only the only reason that you know the, the fleshed outness of the characters isn't as prominent as it is with Stanley is just due to screen time and the amount of knowledge you get about their background.
0: Yeah, it's really you're absolutely right. It's just um, it's just due to the the fact that like this is truly it is an ensemble piece, but it really is a story about um, Zero and uh, Stanley uh, because of the Madame Zeroni and um, uh, Elu Yelnets parallel. Yes. Um, and that re- that relationship is really interesting because, like, it brings up the whole. Uh, you um, you talked about like conflicts between the kids earlier. Yes. When X Ray calls out Stanley, it's like, oh, you're having like the black kid work for you, huh? Like. Yeah. And that was like, whoa! That was
1: like. <laughs> I never caught <laughs> that as a kid, though, to be honest, because I, I always I I think when I was a kid, I just I just was willing to like you know accept like. Like I was I was willing to accept that that uh you know Stanley was helping Hector with regards to or I'll just use their names that you know they refer to each other so Caveman was helping Zero with regards to um you know reading and learning to write and things like that something that Zero had never been able to have before because of the fact that he was shuffled around throughout the system wasn't able to stay in one school for long enough, and therefore suffered illiteracy as a, as a result of it. Yeah, and uh, the the nuance is absolutely lost on X Ray, which makes sense. It totally should be. It's not like it's not like X Ray is gonna sit sit next to them every night and go, "What you guys doing?" Um, and it's it's just. I mean, it, it it's 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 such a biting like thing, because I can tell, like, when you look at Shia LaBeouf's face, because, you you know, he's, it's it's acting in addition to being in the sun, in the hot, in the desert, and he's just like, you can see, he, like, he, he, I remember, he looks up, like, through his cap, and he's like, trying to even, he's like, I don't, like, it's, it's, it's getting hit in the face with this accusation that he's like, I didn't, I don't, I don't, I I didn't, I, I, I don't, like, and there was no defense for him, because he knows he was in the wrong, but he's just like, I don't, I just...
0: Uh Yeah, no, it, it brings to mind the sort of, the conversations that, like, people have been having lately about, like, sort of, like, white complicity and sort of um, white people holding themselves accountable for things that, um, like, while they don't necessarily think they are racist, are racist in action like you know like checking yourself constantly and for for a child to do that like a kid's not thinking about that like we i'm you I and really I adults, truly right?
1: like i really truly want to reach a point as a society where a child should not have to do that no
0: that's i no, no i completely yeah girl i completely you know i you know oh I, yeah yeah no yeah but like but like in that in 2003 in West Texas.
1: <laughs> oh like, no, and that's and that's the thing is like I feel like you know I understand that's why I think with with that with that uh, confrontation, I as a kid I didn't see it as you know a, a call out on racism. I saw it as like you know because I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase it. I mean it is a call out on racism, but I'm trying to the way I saw it was like was like X Ray was was trying to use a large amount of like, like he should, like he was basically saying to the point of you should be assisting Zero and digging your own fucking hole because Zero's not here to help you. Zero's going to do his shit and he's going to go away. And like, part of me thought it was absolutely jealousy that it was just like, you know, that that it was not about, it was not about, uh, Zero being the one to dig it because they, they obviously had a friendship that was blossoming at this moment. Um, and, you know, caveman and Zero both were absolutely outsiders, and it's not like X-Ray had given even a single fuck about Zero before that moment.
0: Yeah, no. Because, um, it's, like, heavily, it's, like, heavily implied within the group within Detent that, um, you know, X-Ray calls the shots. Oh, and, yes, yes. um, he, uh, he had, he had Stanley as sort of, like, his helper before, and then, you know, Stanley is helping this other kid, and it's so interesting it's be, it's just it's such a situation it's a situation where like everyone is wrong <laughs> like oh yeah
1: and luckily because they're teenagers they're supposed to be that's the point
0: no I, <laughs> I think that's what's so brilliant about this book and the fact that like a white man was able to write this situation so subtly it was like yeah
1: absolutely and i think well i just realized so it's not set in 98 it's set in 88
0: no, no, it's, it, yeah, it was written in 98. It, it is set in 88.
1: Which is crazy, because I, I thought it was just like, I was like, yeah, modern day, we're doing it. Um.
0: I, yeah, I think, yeah, that's probably the only, um, the only, obviously the only adaptation that they, um, that they made, uh, uh, besides like, you know, that's the only change they made. For the like the film, they set it in present day as opposed to like the '80s.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, but so getting back to that point, is is it just like I, I the thing is these kids are are just discovering the nuances of race as you know as inmates in a prison basically, uh, inmates in a juvenile detention facility in which every single uh, counselor quote unquote and the warden are white people who have literally no nuanced understanding of of you know. of diversity in general, but also of, like, the difficulties it is, you know, being, at least for Stanley and uh, Zero, like, questioning, do I deserve to be here? Because when you're a child and you get punished, you know, you'll, especially when you come from a, from a poorer background, and I can speak to the fact, you know, I was raised by a single mom, I didn't, you know, I definitely know what it is like to walk to and from school, or, like, like, I, I know what it's like to not, you know, know where, you know, like, what's like be in small living spaces, share rooms, things like that. So with Stanley, like I understand like academically achieving because you think like that's going to be something that's going to help in the end. And and I lo- I related to Stanley really heavily as a little girl because like I just I saw that he was so intelligent so hyper hyper intelligent and he was only going with the flow as a follower in an attempt to not cause conflict within groups. He was not doing it because he truly just thought like X Ray was a genius. He's just like I have friends. This is so cool. And also I used to do the exact same thing when I was a kid, which is swing your arms behind your back, clap. Swing your arms behind your fr- in your front, clap. Swing your arms like. <laughs> it's great. We were super cool. Um- Um, And like, it's just awkward white kid syndrome. Um, And, and like, like his friendship with zero was just something that I like loved so desperately and so deeply because like, they just relate to each other so much. And at no point, like, like at one point, he's like, Oh, I don't know who my mom is. And he goes, Oh, wow. Like, there's no, like, I think as adults, if you had said something like, yeah, I've never met my mother, I don't know who she is, they'd be like, oh my god, are you okay?
0: Yeah, because Stanley spends the first part of his book, the book, like, partially, not partially, he spends the first part of the book, like, Actively hating his life and actively being like, I'm so unlucky, like, the worst, I live the worst life in the world, like, mm-hmm. and like, staying under the radar and like, through his friendship with Zero, he's like, hey, I don't have it that bad, you know? Like And
1: it's, and it, sometimes it's the ability to talk to other people, especially within the same community, because Hector and Stanley are from the same community, like, they're from the same town. That's why they both go to the same place. I think everyone in the in the in the in Camp Green Lake is within is within the same city limits or or things like that. Because no,
0: it's it's a it's a regional like it's like it's the same thing as like a regional juvenile hall. Like, you know.
1: Well, I mean, so at, like at the end of the film, for instance, they all get together at, at Stanley's new fancy rich house. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But
1: because they're not too far away. But I think one of the so one of the craziest parts for me, like watching as an adult. Is um, so obviously we've touched on the fact that these kids are all, I mean, just from so many different backgrounds, and yet they all do get along really well. They have this really true, like, genuine human connection. And then you look at the adults, and you've got what I would consider a trio of heavyweights in terms of acting, specifically led by Sigourney Weaver, which is a heavy choice. <laughs> you're like, hey, we're gonna get Ellen Ripley to lead this fucking group, and you're she, just I, like,
0: <laughs> okay, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be real. Like, it's not. I was, I'm not a person who is like easily, I horror movies, like horror movies are kind of whatever for me. I've always sort of like, I don't like gore, but it's not like, you know, I'm very scared of horror movies. She genuinely freaked me out. The whole thing, when she like scratches John Boyd, like the fact that she could just turn in an instant. Oh my God. That type of person is horrifying. And that's, those people are real.
1: Mm hmm. So she's not like, so now we have like, now we're using like Karen for everything. Like, oh, she's going to call the manager. No, 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 no. Sigourney Weaver is not fucking Karen in this situation. Sigourney Weaver is the kind of person who's like, Sweetie, oh, you know what? Could you dig another hole for me? I promise you'll get another ration, and it's very much this like, like benevolent, like overlord type fucking personality. And if you cross her, she'll fucking ruin your life, and it's it's terrifying. But I mean, Sigourney Weaver. Um, if I could have any mother in the world, that's not my own, it'd be Sigourney Weaver. <laughs>
0: To be honest, your mom kind of looks like Sigourney she Weaver. She does so look like, like Sigourney Weaver. I'm <laughs>
1: obsessed with Sigourney Weaver mostly because like in my, in my head, like I close my eyes and I'm like in an alternate universe. I was, I'm actually Sigourney Weaver's child. <laughs> oh my God. But no, I, 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 and this is the thing is I adore Sigourney Weaver in terms of the performance aspect. Uh, as the warden, she's just terrifying. And she's at no point does she ever look ugly, you know? She wears like those fucking, those mom jeans with the nice, like, cut off like the cut off shirt, like the cut off sleeve blouse with the flowers she's got the denim jacket on and you're just like, with the cowboy hat her hair is like Crimped and you're just like not crimped, but you know like cr- crunchy, and you're just like I love you so much. This is such a good look. Why do I love you? You're no, terrible.
0: She has got that. She's got the body that can like rock. a lot of girls try to do that look, and she's she's got the body that can rock that look. She's. I mean, and it ends, she was like in her
1: 40s or 50s. No, she wasn't. Was she in her 50s? I think she's a couple years older than my mom, Hold so on. she was almost in her 50s.
0: Oh, so Gourney Weaver, um, she was in. No, she was she was definitely in her fifties. She
1: was. Damn, that's what it, that's that's how good you can look if you just play problematic people and aren't problematic yourself, everyone. Um, Stay take that, take that for for example from John Voight, who I'm not exactly sure what led to him looking as horrifying as he did throughout most of his career, but um, I mean, I'm just gonna go to the fact that I know he had a really weird, fucked up relationship with Angelina Jolie. So we're just gonna. Like, pass that off on the fact that he's aged like uh, a bowl of mashed potatoes in the Texas sun. Ooh,
0: <sighs>
1: That's that a good come, one.
0: That stinks. Thanks. <laughs> um,
1: and the only. So, my. I think my largest issue uh, with the entire movie and book at the end of the day is it has to go down. It comes down to John Voight's character. Is so Mr. Sir is like, you know, the most masculine name you can think of. And he's just. Uh, not well in the head. He's he's overly paranoid, overly anxious. He rules with an iron fist because the warden kind of just lets him do whatever the fuck he, uh, he wants to do because she's not really, she doesn't give a shit about these kids. She only cares about finding that treasure and as long as they work every day and they attempt to look for it, that's all that she gives a fuck about. And that's her biggest crime is that she is so goddamn malevolent in the sense that she doesn't care about people. She doesn't care about these kids, these charges of hers. She doesn't care if they have good food. She doesn't care if they have anywhere to sleep. She doesn't care if they have showers. She just wants money. Whereas Mr. Sir, on the other hand, sees these people, sees the the uh, you know, <laughs> the constituents of Detent in Camp Green Lake, and he sees criminals, he sees evil, evil children, and he does what he can to just enforce this wrath of all the time and it's 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 evil in a very real like you know very forward front sense and then you have dr Pendanski, who's evil in the sense that it's it's all behind his back he plays these mind games with these kids to try and get them against one another to try and target them all against zero specifically who he hates more than anything else and i really never understood why in the context of it um and uh it's and it, it, it's just, like, these trio of adults are all different forms of evil. You know, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil type situation.
0: I also, yeah. And I also think that, like, kind of extends to be, like, slightly, like, I guess more, like, America-specific. It's, like, the three different forms, like, like three different manifestations of, like, white supremacy. Uh, That's like, fair. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Like, where we have the warden who is, like, the the overarching malevolence of white supremacy because it benefits... Because it like it, it just for the sole benefit of like the the like the person in the highest position exactly, and then there is uh, Mr. Sir who sees all people of color and all people who are like different than him as evil and like less less than. Yep. And then there's Pandansky who comes. He's the most interesting one because he comes from an academic angle. And a lot of people think, "Oh, it's the liberal. It's the you know this guy. It's the Karen guy." No, he's just as racist as the rest of them. What does so. he say?
1: He says something in the movie, like when he's introduced, and he's like, um, you know, he, he he basically says something along the lines of, you know, I you can you you know your, your past doesn't make you who you are in the present or whatever it doesn't make your future. Mm-hmm. And it's just like. It's 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 so misleading because when because out of all of the characters, so Mr. Sir gets scratched in the face by the warden, which was a love it. Um but love
0: to see it. Love to see it. And,
1: and and the reason Mr. Sir faces the wrath of the warden is because Mr. Sir is if we're using the white supremacy model, you know, uh the warden is basically like your CEO, doesn't wanna get their hands involved in anything. And but if shit fucks up, you're gonna punish whoever is below you underneath you in this hierarchy and then that way their in turn their anger will then be threefold tenfold thirtyfold on the people who they are meant to attack
0: oh yeah no that and you see that in privatized like prison like federal prisons but also privatized prisons all the time exactly
1: you You attack if, if if the warden lashes out at the uh head of security or the head of the corrections officers he and then turn attacks the prisoners at any given chance yes. and it's it's all about no repercussions and then you have pendanski who is playing the most fucked up mind games and my favorite thing is is that he continues to insinuate that Zero has no brain, has no intelligence, is not a smart person. And he, sells, he he keeps going, you know, C-A-T, what does that spell? D-O-G, what does that spell? And then he goes, what about D-I-G, what does that spell? And then Zero grabs his shovel and hits him with such force on the upside of his face with the with the front of the shovel. And then he looks and he goes, dig, and he runs. And you're just like... Ah, that was great!
0: Ah, it's so, it's so righteous, because, like, you're rooting for Zero through the whole thing, and you see what he's doing is wrong, and you know, you see what Pendanski is doing is wrong, and you know that he's just, like, it has the most hateful, like, racist, like, um, Anti homeless, like he thinks he's nothing because he comes from the streets.
1: Exactly, he's a he's a, a product of the system of the foster care system. Therefore, he will never be he will never be able to contribute to society. Type situation.
0: People really hate poor people in America. <laughs> yup, um, which
1: is crazy. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a, that's, a, that's a different tangent. Um, so the point the, the but getting back to one of the biggest issues that I have with the movie and the book at the same po- moment mm-hmm. is at the end everybody gets their just desserts. Um, you know, I. Uh, Stanley and Zero go up the mountain, they break the curse, Uh, they find the treasure, everything's good, everyone's getting arrested because his parents suddenly came into a lot of money because his dad figured out how to make feet stop smelling. And uh, then at the end, the the FBI or whatever, the local state police are arresting uh, this trio. And he goes, Mary and Sevilla, you're not allowed to have this kind of weapon on you, Marion. And then, uh, and then the boys go, Marion. I didn't know that was a guy's name. And then Mister Sir looks at them and goes, It's not. And for the longest time, that is just the most ambiguous fucking ending. Because you, I want to like immediately jump to, well, Marion is obviously a trans man. Uh, but like that's just that, or it could just be that Marion. Marion is actually is, how do they spell it in the? It's, it's M A. It
0: actually is a gender neutral name. It
1: is a gender neutral name, and because if it would if it was the A, then that implies a, a more feminine tone to the name. But it, it's with an O, so it's specifically neutral. So it could just be Mister Sir hating his name, you know. So I don't because I I I really would hate to say that Louis Sechar wrote that line with the intent of like like in the subtext just being like and Mr. Sir is a trans man who just like you know, like it's just it's not like it upsets me you know, like I, really me, you know?
0: I think I think it kind of goes back to it harkens back to the he's the Mr. Sir he's so masculine And the fact that he resents the fact that he has a name that could be perceived as feminine or as gender neutral. Exactly. And and that
1: makes sense. That makes a ton more sense to me because I think, I think, though, it it is an absolutely, the way it's acted to by John Voight doesn't help to serve any kind of specific answer.
0: It's so, yeah, no, I never think about it that way, but it is really ambiguous. And
1: that's that's something like, as a, as a director, you have to sit down with your actor and be like, listen. You, like if you're gonna if you're gonna say this line because it's it just it's two words it ain't like you gotta have either like complete disdain for your name so we know it's your name you hate but the way John Voight delivers it is it's kind of like eh, it ain't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's why but it's such a weird note I mean it's a great note in terms of like they they do like it's it's this is why I love Holes because the way it ends is it rains for the first time in a hundred years everyone's happy like you, there's this really big, huge, hopeful ending that just, you don't really get in real life a lot of the time but for a kids movie, specifically about the prison system it's just like, it's a way where you're just like, yay, because in kids movies you really do want to wrap it up nice and tight you know?
0: Yeah, no, exactly I think the fact, like, it presents what we want so often in juvie situations where it's like a lot of juvenile prison situations and like foster system situations and things like that. You know, they don't end well. The kid ages out, mm-hmm. and you know, they're left with nothing, and there is no happy ending for them in real life. And we get everyone's getting a pool party.
1: And yeah, it's great. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's 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 a, it's a very bi- very big discussion with regards to the juvenile detention center and like how they you know handle their population and like who exactly makes up that population and what exactly their reasons are for being there. Because on one hand, you'll have, you know, kids like Zero who literally stole shoes from Payless worth $20 or less. And they're in juvie now because they could not afford a lawyer and they're part of the system. Therefore, they're stuck there for years. And then on the other hand, I'd also just want to remind the audience, Edmund Kemper also served time in juvie. So there are definitely, you know, murderers, and, like, you know, people or, like, you know, set, you know, 16-year-olds or 15-year-olds who hopefully, you know, are, are justly in there for, like, fucking horrific crimes against people, but the vast majority are not those people. The vast majority are people who have just fallen through the cracks in a system that has... Canyon-sized cracks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, we talked about this in our um, Watchmen episode last week, and it's, like, the same thing in the adult system. It's just even more tragic in the children's system, because so much prevention could be done in schools and so much prevention could be done like at the sort of like at the base level. Mm -hmm. But we're just not funneling resources toward that for some reason because private prisons, everybody.
1: I can say that the one big thing that I can walk away from holes with is that your friends who share your background, who share your story, and while their lives may be objectively worse or better, it's really not a competition like trauma, Use yeah. those people to get you through the toughest times in your life, because while in holes, it is truly like zero and Hector, uh, zero, Hector and Stanley's relationship is what literally gets them out of the you know poverty and 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 all that stuff, and it really does save their lives. Friendship can also save your life in many many different kinds of ways, not just because you got lucky and you carried a kid up the mountain and broke a family curse, in the sense that like you know having someone who knows your life and relates to your life so heavily. Because they've lived it, it's a lived, it's a shared lived experience. That's you know that that validation of your life of that experience through those friendships. That's what's important. Having and even listening to the cast commentary, like no, these children aren't in prison. Uh, Shia LaBeouf would at one point, <laughs> hey, uh, but uh, but they they beca- they bonded so heavily over this experience, and it's just you know. It's about that. It's about using your friends to help together, like help you both get through those toughest times, those darkest times in your life. Because at the end of the day, you know, the system fails a lot. Your your parents fail. Adults fail. But those people who who struggle right alongside you, they won't fail you.
0: No, that's. That's so beautiful. Like, I don't even have anything to add. That was gorgeous. Thank you. Wow, Megan. Thank
1: you. You know, I just do some, I do some philosophicalizing on the side.
0: (laughs) Aw. My God! But anyway, um, that's that's basically our episode. I'm gonna we're gonna end on that because I think that's a really gorgeous place to end. Thank you. Um, and if you want
1: me to release a book, I won't because that takes time to write. But I can definitely talk for another forty-five to fifty minutes.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. This is this is why uh, this is why uh, we pay her the big bucks. Oh, thank you, thank and, you. Uh, <laughs> I, have written, I have written a book. It's difficult. Um, so. Oh yeah.
1: Um, and so n- next week, God. Well, next week's unannounced at this moment. We're going to discuss it.
0: Uh, yeah, we will uh, We will discuss it. It'll be a surprise to both you and us.
1: Yes. So uh, <laughs> thanks so much for listening in, everyone.
0: Uh, stay safe. Please, please exercise caution when you're hanging out with family and friends, if you are hanging out with family and friends, and go, this, this thing is far from over.
1: Absolutely, and you know, you know, just because uh, just because it's nice outside doesn't mean that, uh, that infectious diseases, diseases away. run away. <laughs> so uh, you know, do it for for your your older family members, do it for your immunocompromised family members, and, and most of all, do it to protect yourself as well. And just you know, wear a mask, wear a mask and a condom, kids. <laughs>
0: Preferably at the same time
1: (laughs) At the same time You'll be fine
0: Um, But (laughs) But anyway We'll see you next week We'll see you next week Bye Bye